Welcome to this week's edition of the Better Rivals Podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and this week, the 49ers snatch a win from the clutches of defeat. Brandon Ayuk hit the dead leg and scores the game-winning overtime touchdown. And with me this week, running to his local mall to get him some glamour shots, it's David Newman. <laughs> well, shit. Shit. That's how I feel about this game right now. <laughs> like, I'm so... Oh, what what a fucking game, man. Uh, I was... I, I still I was, don't know what to think about it yet, but we're going to I was despondent. I was despondent at the very, very end. I thought, you know what? Let one get away. Uh, a game that maybe the Niners shouldn't have been in as much as they were, and yet there they were, ready to, ready to win the game. And then the, just everything started to fall off the wheels, and I was like, okay, finally. Um, you know, the, the Bengals are, are getting it together, but it, it really, for me, you have to start with George Kittle and, and Nick Bosa. And, and actually, I mean, this may be an earmuffs, earmuffs episode for, for those of you who are driving and dropping your kids off at school. <laughs> My apologies. Uh, but literally in, in the show notes, I wrote George fucking Kittle and Nick fucking Bosa. Accurate. Because they, they both had ridiculous games. George Kittle, 13 catches for 151 yards and one touchdown. Zach Taylor, this is a direct quote from Zach Taylor postgame. Quote, we tried everything to stop Kittle, and it didn't work. I'm curious what everything was because it didn't feel like it was a lot. <laughs> like, there were some things. I mean, like, look, at the end, uh, so there was that that slant that he caught on the third and five, right, uh, that, that was toward the end there. And, like, that was defensively from Cincinnati, right? So they're playing, like, man coverage down low, and they've got two robbers essentially so normally right with cover one you'll see like one guy kind of dropping down uh you know the near interception that jimmy threw to to Bates there toward the end uh which we'll talk about later but like that that's the idea right you get one guy kind of dropping down they had one on each side of the field ready for this exact thing and they still weren't there to defend it like those players were still too deep uh and it was it was hilarious yeah yeah, and he, uh, you've got Garoppolo with the perfect little ball that just he like dropped it in there, and it, and it gets Kittle to do the what I call the Witherspoon slide, just like slides right in there uh, and ducks a tackle and, and ends up picking up the first down. It's great. Um, it, the, the that third down catch, Adam Archuleta, I thought called a pretty good game. I actually enjoyed the the insight that he added. He was a little like more morose than I would have liked, but. It was a roller coaster. There were some good moments and and some bad moments in there. Uh, But when he called Kittle's catch a glamour shot, when he goes up and like fingertips the ball on third down on on that corner route, I thought that was incredible. A glamour shot. Yes, absolutely. That is a a, a flourish that I will will adopt. A glamour shot. Loved it. Um, but yeah, George Kittle was out there doing George Kittle things. He was catching things. He was bailing Garoppolo out. I mean, a lot of them were on those kind of short routes where the Niners are trying to get to the edge on on movement plays. That's what they're called in Shanahan's playbook. And they're trying to get Garoppolo on the edge. And he had to throw Garoppolo had to throw the ball to Kittle right away because they were sending the defensive ends right at Garoppolo. And I mean, Zach Taylor is familiar with those plays, he runs. He has these in his playbook. He's off of the the tree in this kind of Shanahan esque offense, and and they were giving the Niners fits early. Yeah, yeah. I think um, offensively for most of this game, I mean, it was Kittle, right? Like that was kind of it. And and what's wild is his day could have been even significantly better because he should have had probably that deep one. I mean, he got 
uh, I forget who the defender was on the play, but like got away with kind of like uh, yeah. hooking that left arm. Uh-huh, and so yeah. he had to try to catch it one handed essentially there. But like that was a, a, a rare beauty deep throw from Jimmy that, that hit him right in the chest. Right. Uh, and if he has two hands, I mean, he obviously he's going to bring that in. And that would have been another big game. I mean, he had been pushing for 200 yards in, in this one had another, you know, even had a drop too. I think that was in there that, that took he some did. yards away from him. So, uh, yeah, it's, it was a wild game from him. And for most of this game, he was their entire offense. And Nick Bosa, before we get to what the Bengals were doing over the course of the game, we have to talk just a little bit about Nick Bosa because he seemed to get by his guy, whomever it was on the left side or the right side with alarming ease. We, we knew that the Bengals offensive line was going to be a weak point and the, the 49ers and, and specifically Bosa were able to exploit it. And him and Armstead really were a pretty powerful combination whenever they lined up on the same side. But whether, especially to the outside, normally Bosa will win inside a lot because he will be really good at identifying when a defensive, when an offensive tackle kind of oversets and gets too wide and then he knifes inside. This game, it seemed like he was really getting around the edge really, really well. And inside wasn't where he was really winning. And and he was causing some fits. And And honestly, this... This was a good offense. I mean, we saw exactly how good this offense was. And for this defense to do what they did against them, I mean, it just it speaks really to their strength in that front seven. Right. And and that was the weak spot, right? I mean, the offensive line was was going to always be problematic. I mean, that's been the the spot for them all season long. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I think I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Bosa ended up with like double digit pressure numbers um, when when those end up coming out tomorrow. But uh, and, and that's on like, I mean, Burrow had 42 dropbacks. So we're talking like roughly 25 percent of the time bosa was getting in there and uh and having some sort of impact on the play and and that goes like i think even further because early on they they were doing so much quick game stuff so much like stuff to get the ball out of burrow's hands quickly uh and, and so a lot of that stuff kind of came in the third down situations when they couldn't go to that or you know obviously later in the game when they had to start uh throwing the ball quite a bit more so yeah, I think uh, he was incredibly impressive. No surprise there, but just kind of, yeah, did it in, in essentially every way. I mean, a lot of it outside, like you said, I think he had, there was the one play that him and uh, like he goes inside and ends up right with Arden Key there and they both end up winning yeah. through the B gap uh, to flush Burrow out there. And then I think he had another pressure that came on a stunt. Like, yeah, it was, it was kind of everything. So the, the, the part that was really interesting about this game was that it didn't seem like the Bengals really adjusted to what they were seeing in front of them over the course of the game. They're presented with a defense that is thin at cornerback. You've got Ambry Thomas starting and, and you've got Talano Hufanga back there, whether sometimes he's playing kind of in the box, he's playing safety. You've got Jaquaski Tart playing at linebacker and the, the Bengals basically seemed like they just were trying to out 49ers the 49ers. They were playing conservative on fourth down. They opted for a field goal on fourth and two from the 10. Um, they missed a field goal. They had two turnovers on special teams. They were trying to doggedly run the ball well into the third quarter because the Niners are basically inviting them to run by playing that too high look to protect their corners. I think this is one area where Archuleta did a good job of saying like, yeah, they're trying to protect their corners. Their safeties are playing deep. We we thought they were going to play more quarters cover four. I think they may have played a lot of cover two. Um, and not necessarily cover four, which was super interesting um, because that cover two isn't necessarily something they play a ton. They'll play cover six. And so they'll play, you know, kind of two to one half and four to the other. But cover two isn't something they go to the well too uh, often. And and the Bengals just like didn't know what to do. It seemed like they were completely stuck 
And it wasn't until they get late into the game when they're like, oh, yeah, we have Burrow and Higgins and Chase. Let's just let them run wild. And then all of a sudden, everyone in 49 land was like, oh, shit, this this is this is getting real. Yeah. I mean, it was it was bad. Yeah, I, I think the the game plan that Ryan's had um, was certainly good. I think it was necessary because of, you know, like you mentioned, Arch Letted. I, I think this is one of the best things that he did in this game was kind of illustrate what they were doing defensively and, and kind of why they were wanting to do that. And it was very clear that they wanted to protect these corners. And, and yeah, you I mean you mentioned uh, look like a lot of cover two. Absolutely agree with that. Like cover two, cover six were absolutely the dominant coverages in this. And uh, in terms of pure cover two, like I bet they ran more cover two in this game than they did the rest of the season combined. Um, yeah. Like, and I don't, I would be surprised if it was that close. And they also ran uh, uh, some two man plays in there. So on third downs, a lot of times what they've been doing in third downs is they go to cover one or they go to some sort of zone pressure, right? That's kind of the go-tos that they have in, in those third down passing situations. And in this one, they had, I, I saw at least two, maybe three plays uh, in those same situations where they went two man, meaning they're man underneath, but they've got the safeties over the top, right? And so they've, they're, they're doing everything they can to make sure those outside corners are protected in some way. But when you look at, at what Cincinnati was doing offensively uh, for most of this game, for like at least the first half and kind of into the third quarter, it was a lot of underneath stuff. Like it was a lot of short throws, a lot of quick game. And that plays into, I mean, cover two, you've got five underneath defenders. There's not a lot of space to throw those routes, right? Uh, you, you've got guys kind of in bodies there. Um, all around. So it really takes somebody kind of fucking up and and uh, opening up a window that shouldn't be there in order to fit some of those shorter throws in. And and where you need to really be able to test it is, which they they finally got going a little bit. You saw the, the kind of deeper intermediate um, in-breaking routes that T. Higgins caught a couple of. Yeah, the and the then T. Higgins they, route. Yeah. And then they finally... Uh, started kind of hitting that two hole, right? The Archuleta mentioned like the corner routes that they were starting to run. And and that was where they got some big plays. And then they finally got them to kind of switch out of it. They caught him in a cover three play. And that was the chase touchdown where he beat Thomas on the double move, which was just uh, honestly a horrendous play from Ambry Thomas, like just fucking terrible on, on that. And so, uh, yeah, like that was what they, they probably should have been doing from much earlier on. Like it's one thing you come yeah. into the game, the 49ers aren't a big too high team, especially cover two. Okay. It takes you a drive or two to see like, okay, they're kind of committed to doing this. Let's start making some adjustments. It took fucking two and a half, three quarters for them to start doing that. All right. We're going to get to the 49ers offensive performance, but before we do that, we're going to talk to you a little bit about this week's sponsors because this week's pod is brought to you by TickPick. 49ers football is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find 49ers tickets anymore. That's because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all of those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. If you don't believe it, and you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. The 49ers have two very winnable home games left. Games against the Falcons and the Texans. Go to those games. Go to Levi's. Bring your sunscreen. It's going to be great. Watch this team as they march towards the playoffs. Visit TickPick.com rivals today 
to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. That's TickPick.com slash Rivals. And the Bengals still almost pulled it out. I mean, everyone, I, I don't know about you, but I, as soon as they, as soon as they scored to get within one score, I was like, oh, there oh we no. go. <laughs> I like, yeah, I was, I was like, saddle up because this is going to be, this is going to be tight. And, and when they scored to, to tie it up and, and they won the toss, I, th- I thought it was done. I thought they were going to march down the field, score, and that was going to be it. And then, you know, you get a sack, you get them in a field goal range and 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 all of a sudden the, the Niners pull uh, as one of our uh, not so favorite announcers would say uh, a rabbit out their head y- you get to the offense though and, and the offense really stagnated until it didn't because just ahead of the final two drives and and they were two you know quote-unquote game-winning drives one that you leave to your franchise kicker and the other which actually won the game and and the 49ers really only had two drives out of 11 that looked good the drive that spanned the end of the first quarter into the beginning of the second quarter that ended with the long touchdown drive to Debo Samuel. That had three explosive plays out of six. And and that's that's really, really good. That looked like the offense was clicking. It looked like it was humming. Their first possession of the second half, which ended in a failed touchdown, which I thought was effectively going to cost the Niners the game. Uh, that was a 12-play, 69-yard uh, drive with Ayuk not able to get a shin or an ankle bone or anything uh, down, which I don't know. Who knows if if he thought to himself, you know, I got a basically dead leg if I'm near the sideline, and that's what gets him that kind of game winning touchdown at the end of the game. But those were the two drives where you're like, okay, this offense is really humming, and and then you go over, you go over five on third downs. I mean, like it just everything seemed like it was just rough to get against a defense that was should have been soft at the linebacker level and across the middle, which is where the Niners love to eat. Yeah, it it was just uh, everything felt difficult, you know, like um, they they couldn't run the ball very effectively for a lot of the game. And, and it just felt like that was kind of getting bottled up. And then, yeah, they were ending up in these third down situations that they couldn't convert. Things were just going horribly on third down. And and even on the successful drives, right, it kind of felt like they were getting bailed out i mean you get two free opportunities essentially because of the muffed punt that leads directly to 10 yard or excuse me to 10 points and they didn't really do anything on those drives right i mean the field goal drive uh that they got as a result of that they it was only four plays like they gained eight yards after recovering that yeah. uh that muffed the, punt and then the second one of the one, notes i ha- one of the notes i have is that they they end the half with 17 points 10 of those were gimmies yeah. And so it's like that basically it's three points. Yeah. And I mean, and then the, so the other touchdown that they had to make it 17, right? The the second one uh, in that that second quarter there um, was that it took that taunting play, uh, penalty from yeah. Cincinnati that l- eventually led to, uh, you know, that touchdown which, there. What? Which I mean, I, I hate it. I know that the Niners, I mean, the Niners don't win this game without that taunting penalty, but that what a dumb penalty. What an absolutely ridiculous yeah, penalty! That's... Point pointing at a guy when you're walking by him is going to get you laundry. It's it's ridiculous. Leave it to the NFL. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, so I think like when you look at the bulk of this game, right, the bulk of their possessions, you're talking about for their first eleven possessions, you have really two positive drives that were like you kind of doing things well as an offense and and moving the ball effectively. Uh, and in most games, that's not getting it done. Right. Like you're just not going to 
get enough points on the board to to be able to do it. And and so I think, yeah, a lot of it comes back to the mistakes Cincinnati made and, and the things that they did to kind of shoot themselves in the foot, the things that they were doing or, or really not doing offensively to kind of uh, give them a better shot at, at taking advantage of uh, things on that side. And then also when you look at just kind of the way the bounces went, none of the 49ers big mistakes cost them. Right. You had uh, a Jennings fumble that they recovered, that he recovered. Um, you had <laughs> Jimmy had two just mind numbingly stupid fucking plays. Uh, one where he just straight up drops the ball with no one around. Um, like very fortunate to fall on that uh, as the defender was kind of incoming. And then, uh, of course, the the dropped interception by by Jesse Bates there yeah. at the very end that honestly, I think that probably goes back for six. Like, I, for I think six. that's a yeah. game ender right there. Totally. No. So let's talk about Jimmy Garoppolo and those, you know, kind of game winning drives. Right. Because one, I think you you don't remember. And this is why, like, the the outcome in the stat sheet isn't always indicative of of exactly how these people are playing, because I think you're absolutely right. I think that goes for six. And, And it's just it's cover one, Robert. Like it's not it's not a difficult coverage to diagnose. And it was the They've same been coverage running it all drive. Yeah. Like the, and it's the, the same and it's the drive. same coverage. It's the same coverage that he ran that the, the Vikings got the pick uh, where Harrison Smith. I mean, that is basically Harrison oh. Smith coming down and being. I would say like 25 percent of Jimmy's interceptions have probably been on that coverage or similar. Right. Yeah. He just doesn't see him. He, he doesn't see them. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, and, and that if that goes the other way, it's a very, very different outcome. And now you're thinking, you know, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, now he is a scapegoat instead of, you know, he's he's the guy who led the, the game winning drive. So that that's kind of the, the up and down with Jimmy Garoppolo. And this game was so indicative of some of that, because I do think there was some problems that that weren't really his fault, namely Tom Compton basically needing to pay rent to Jimmy Garoppolo for being in his lap all time like literally you just take up residence in jimmy I mean, garoppolo's lap in this game run skill too the right the right side and pass protections anytime that they had uh you know just some straight drop back situations those third downs especially it, it the right yeah. side was absolutely brutal collapsed absolutely collapsed um but then and jimmy garoppolo had some ridiculous decisions and some regular just terrible throws right we talked about the pick but uh there was a throw to kittle where archuleta you know, is is a little forgiving to Jimmy Garoppolo. And he says, like, you know, oh, if this ball's a, a little bit more accurate, it's like, well, yeah, when he doesn't sail it over Kittle's head, you know, four <laughs> yards, then like, yeah, of course it's gonna be a catch. Or the deep shot to Travis Benjamin, where that throw is probably a little late and it's underthrown. And yes, it hits Benjamin in the chest. But if that ball is not underthrown, then it's it, it could be a touchdown. Because yeah, he was clear. I, I go the other way with that one. I I feel like this game was for him was very similar to uh, kind of the thoughts we had coming out of last week after the rewatch, right? Where it's like I thought that that like the the Benjamin one, um, like yeah, maybe he he gets it out a little bit late, um, but that is uh, I, I think it's clear that that Benjamin is a punt returner there like what he does is try to catch it like a fucking punt he tries to let it into his chest and and just kind of cradle it and if you have an actual receiver there that can go up and high point that ball like that is a like could it have been a better throw if if he gets it out a little earlier maybe or he's got a little bit better arm to put some more on it sure that is a good enough throw for a completion in that and in that spot and and it it really i think with a better receiver there that gets caught that's a huge play already mentioned the the kittle one there that was a, a great throw down the field that just get unlucky that they can't see the penalty where where you get the defender 
bender that kind of hooks Kittle's left arm and basically forces him to to try to catch it one handed. So he had some, yeah, like there were good well, that's, throws that's the thing, in there, though, is it? and and then it was there, mixed in with those bad bad decisions. There's more the there's more the good though too, and this is why I think Jimmy Garoppolo is so frustrating because that back shoulder yep. to Juwan Jennings, yep. was another really really good throw. I mean that was that was a big boy throw. You know, it's like he's covered and the throw was able to get Jennings open. And that is a fantastic, like, that's just a really, really good throw. I do think, too, that the the throw to Kittle, despite what the, on, on third down late in the game, uh, where the, the one that we talked at the top of the podcast about where they had two robbers, that, I, that's still like a good ball location type of throw. Like he had some of these that were like on schedule in a good spot. And, and overall, it was really, really good. And just that roller coaster of like you pair those with some of just like the ugh, decisions that could have cost you the game. And that's the Jimmy Garoppolo experience. And that's why when, at you know, in, in this game, I think to myself, Burrow's going to get this touchdown. Like I was confident in Burrow driving down the field and getting that touchdown. I was not 100% confident in Jimmy Garoppolo getting it, not because he's not capable of those, wow, that's incredible. Like that's a quick release. That's in a good spot throw. But it's just because I'm waiting for the inevitable cover one robber going to go linebacker blind or going to go safety blind. And now it's going the other way and the game's over. Right. Yeah. I think it's, it's definitely difficult to have confidence in him in some of these key situations because unfortunately, while the good throws have been there, right. Then, and he definitely has some of those, I think these last couple of weeks, maybe more than in a lot of games, but uh, we're still at a point where, the really bad decision it like still he has more of those like I, I think that's a more likely outcome for him to make a really truly terrible play terrible decision a ball that should be picked a fumble in a bad situation like I feel like that has happened more than the great throws in some of these situations right and so yeah when you get into those uh drives where where they kind of have to have it, it it is difficult to feel confident absolutely so last week we we talked about how we may have been too hard on the offense and and I want to make sure that we check ourselves against some of that this week, too, um, and and really start to reconcile what because ha- this this is a team that after week eight, and we talked about this last week, is the best team in football in terms of EPA per play. And this offense for a, a big stretch of this game, really for, you know, outside of maybe two to four drives, you know, out of 14 drives or out of 13 drives looked like it was struggling and absolutely on the struggle bus to score points. How do we reconcile those two things? Like what's going on? So in, in, in this game specifically, right, I think it comes back to the the 49ers mistakes not being capitalized on by Cincinnati, right? And so EPA is an outcome based metric. So, if, for instance, with that, uh, the the interception that should have been at the end by Bates there, EPA just sees that as a regular incomplete pass in that situation, right? Which isn't that big of a deal. Like, um, you still have time left and and you still can, I think they still had at least one timeout at at that point. Right. Um, so it's not like a a game ender that, that it really was. And and so you're not going to be penalized from EPA's standpoint for things like that. When the defense doesn't actually capitalize on them, same thing with the fumbles, right? The, the fumble, uh, yeah, that's probably going to hurt them a little bit because it's still a loss of yardage, right? And they're now in a situation where they're less likely to convert and, and all of those things. But that's not nearly as significant as the the swing that you're going to see if you turn the ball over there, right? And, and Cincinnati's able to jump on that fumble. And so I think that's what they've been kind of fortunate in this game, at least. And 
that, that you know, I, again, we we talked a little bit about it on the Thursday pod last week, and and kind of, uh, you know, more big picture stuff, and and kind of where they've been at for the season. But I think at least for this week, that was kind of the thing that that stuck out as to why they will probably have, I would guess, with those last drives tossed in there, I I would guess they still have a positive EPA offensively in this game. Yeah. So overall, I think it was a game that the Niners easily could have lost, but I am happy that they won uh, because now you look at their playoff odds and we mentioned it last week, but their playoff odds, at least by 538, are up to somewhere near 74, 75% after having won this game. They move back into the sixth seed instead of the seventh seed. So it's the real playoff spot as opposed to the other playoff spot. And now that Washington lost that game. And so they are, I mean, right now, you know, you're, you're looking at a, a matchup against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I, I might prefer the matchup if they're the seventh seed, to be honest with you, <laughs> than, than yeah, I would hard. if they're the, the sixth seed. But they're, they're now more firmly in control of their destiny with you've got what now? Uh, four games left. You've got Atlanta, who looks very beatable, Tennessee, Houston, and the Rams. Uh, and basically, I mean, if the Niners go two and two, yeah, the rest I was going to say, games, I, I think um, without, you know, going too deep on it here, I, I feel like if they win the games at home, which they should, that it's the Atlanta game and the Texans game. And, and those are, are teams that they are better than. They're the games at home. Like they should win these games. Um, and, and if they do that, I think it is, it becomes very, very difficult for them to miss the playoffs, even if yep. they were to lose both the other ones on the road. Absolutely. Uh, all right. So let's get to the quick hits as we round out the show. We uh, we get through our post-game euphoria. Um, man, I will say, one, it, it hadn't planned on this being one of the quick hits, but why not make it one of it? Um, when I've never experienced the sweet joy of having a toddler cognizant of uh, like when a touchdown happens and then saying touchdown, um, <laughs> it is awesome to see my daughter. And she's got a, she was wearing her George Kittle jersey today. And the Niners scored, and I was like, yeah. And she just goes, like, touchdown. And she throws her hands up. It's like, oh, man, that's the best. That's pretty I, like, I love it. It's so it's so great. <laughs> and then, of course, she almost cried when I was like, fuck. Um, when, <laughs> when something happened later. As but, I mean, I don't I don't watch right now. Uh, with, with doing these pods, like, you know, sometimes 30 minutes after the game ends. Like, yeah, yeah I don't watch it with my daughter. I got to oh, uh, focus her. I can't do I, it. I do feel like my feelings about the game when I watch them are not too dissimilar from a toddler's. It's like they just change on a dime. It is immediately different. Like you can be euphoric one minute and the next minute you're just like, oh no, I'm in shambles. Um, and you know, that's basically we're all toddlers when we watch this team. Um, the Niners are now three and four in one score games. They are regressing to the mean in this area and that is a good place to be. You don't want them to overperform in this area. You don't want them to have too many wins in one-score games because one-score games are kind of coin flips. They're going to come back down to kind of being 50-50-ish. And so them being three and four in this area is likely good. It means they have like a little tiny bit of room towards a positive regression getting back to, um, you know, more 500 in this area. So this was a tight one. Buttholes were definitely puckered. Uh, and the Niners <laughs> ended up getting uh, getting the win. Um and then the only other note I have for the quick hits is as, as I was watching the Saints game, they, they put up a graphic that showed Alvin Kamara as the only running back to have more catches than Roger Craig in their first five years, um, which I feel like seems weird because I feel like Marshall Falk and, you know, kind of some other yeah. players and maybe Ladanian Tomlinson, but I don't know, maybe I misread the graphic or I was kind of running around. Um, 
But that just like the the thing that flashed in my mind was like, I don't understand how Roger Craig isn't getting more juice for the Hall of Fame. Um, like, I mean, on the one hand, I get it, but this is still this is still the hill I'm firmly okay with dying on. <laughs> um, I think that he can he can and should get in the Hall of Fame. But um, I think in terms of quick hits, that's most of uh, the ones I had. What do you got in terms of quick notes? Anything yeah. that you thought was interesting? No, I th- I think that was the the main things. I mean, it was it was tough seeing uh, the corners out there. I mean, we'll get a better look, um, you know, once we get all twenty two here, and I, I go through that tomorrow morning. But like, it it yeah, it didn't feel good. I thought it was interesting that suddenly. I mean, it was it was funny because we had just talked about apparently how it seemed like Lenore was still above Ambry Thomas in the packing order. And then Ambry Thomas comes out and is the one that that kind of gets the start and I think the bulk of the playing time, opposite of uh, of Norman there. But it was a rough game for him, even with all of the stuff that that they did to kind of protect him. It felt yeah. not great. Uh, like he, he felt like he was um, playing his most substantive football in like two years. Because remember, he he took the COVID year off, right? Right. So he had, he didn't play last year. He's basically the cornerback version of of Trey Lance. He did not play last year. Came in this year and, and yeah, I mean the touchdown that he gave up. He like he looks back and and this is why so this is something just to note it as, as you're watching. Everyone talks about how corners, you know, oh you should look back for the ball. You should look back for the ball. As a corner sometimes that's a bad idea. Because the moment you look back, you generally lose pace, you lose sight and and you almost remove yourself from the play and that's exactly what he did on that long catch that ultimately was not a catch because you know, the replay kind of over overturned the touchdown for, for chase, but he just, he looked back and it, he was toast. At the Wait, moment no, I think he that was the one, the double move oh. one was the one I think that did count. Yeah. I mean like, look, he was bad on, on both of them. Right. I mean, I think that's kind of the point. Uh, but yeah, you see on the double move one that, which is the one I think that counted. It's fine to kind of, to kind of bite a little bit, right. Which he did. I, I don't actually don't think like his move, on the first you know move from chase there was was too egregious um it the problem came in the recovery like you mentioned he basically goes from there and transitions to staying open and looking back at the ball and trying to find it that way and that's when you see chase just separate um from him like what you need to do in those situations is you actually rather than stay open to the center of the field like you would if you're playing like outside leverage right and, and you are kind of on top of that receiver that's kind of the the way that you can play it you want to open to the receiver and and you kind of get hands on him a little bit like you kind of want to slow his progress down on that double move which as long as you're not egregious with it you don't grab him and and just like tackle the guy then you're usually going to be fine like you know that's that's how you see good corners kind of handle these routes they're going to get physical get your body into them and then once you're in phase and once you have that good position established then you can look back for the ball right and and try to make a play on it if you get to that point but uh yeah it was just an ugly play from him um he had other ones that were just simple too there was one time with it they were in cover two and he just like continues to sink to nowhere and gives up a, a freebie on a slant and and just like there were things like that that were just uh yeah pretty pretty frequent and 
not making you feel good about the cornerback situation, which like, look, may, maybe for the rest of this regular season isn't going to matter. But, you know, if they have any hopes of of kind of doing any sort of damage and making some sort of run in the playoffs, right, these are the things that are going to kind of hurt them. Like every single team that they could potentially go against in in the first round of the playoffs, right, has a passing attack that, that will just take advantage of these cornerbacks right now. And what's funny is that the uh, it, it was a cover two snap that Diamador Lenore didn't play super well against the Packers that ultimately got him benched because uh, he was getting snaps early and it was a cover two snap that that well snapped his his playing streak. Um, <laughs> speaking of of you know young corners while we're I guess taking shits on him, um, Talano Hufanga plaster rules back of the end zone. Um, just plaster your dude, man. Plaster your dude. Don't try I mean- to look back. Don't yeah, try that, that dude. Like he had no hope of sticking with you. like also too. I mean that what a fucking incredible throw by Burrow and also like just the awareness of Chase to do because but also Burrow, like, great catch that like yeah. I thought for sure he stepped out of bounds and and yeah when he's I mean the tightrope on the, the back line there was incredible but it, it's yeah essentially like when when they showed the all 22 replay of it you could see Chase like so because his initial route was a corner right so he was running outbreaking route kind of to the sideline and so on on the scramble he starts working his way back to the middle of the field and he doesn't break out until Burrow throws him there like Burrow basically sees the overreaction from Hufanga to try to like get back on top of this and just like puts it behind him. And so Chase can just kind of stop. Uh, and, and I think that goes to show like, I mean, the the chemistry that those two have is like, is like yeah. that was uh, if you kind of step aside from the rooting interest in this being a 49ers game, like just seeing that play and, and how that ended up like it was it was a great fucking play. Yeah, I mean, they've been playing together for a long time. They've been doing this for a bit. Um, and, and you can tell there is chemistry there. Although, um, it, it's curious to hear. I, I forget who. I, oh, it was during the halftime show. Um, someone was saying that Jamar Chase doesn't have, like, soft hands. And that's why he dropped the pass at the beginning of the beginning of the game. And I'm like... Oh, I think... It, yeah, was that... I, I heard a little bit. I didn't Nate realize Burleson. they were talking about... I think that might have been Burleson that, that said yeah. that. Um, yeah, look... Jamar Chase still ended up with two touchdowns, 77 yards. Higgins ends up with 114. Um, if you started them in DFS, which I think a lot of people did, um, I think you still got your monies. Uh, and the Niners still won the game. Everybody wins. Here you this go. is where we like to end. Uh, all right. Well, that does it for this week's edition of the Better Rivals podcast. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Better Rivals. David, tell them about the Patreon. Patreon.com slash Better Rivals. Head there. Go there. Buy us a beer. The content is hot. We've got, you know, another, what, five, six weeks here left of the season. Um, assuming that we've, we get at least one playoff matchup, you're going to get the the live streams, two pods, live stream and weekly. You get the, the video on demand. After that, you get the weekly video breakdowns. You get the Discord, all that sort of fun stuff. Uh, head there, support the pod, buy us a beer. Thanks to everyone who has purchased us a beer or, in the case of this evening, uh, a nice glass of wine for myself. Uh, that magically got refilled off camera for those of you who are wondering. Uh, (laughs) Thanks again for tuning in. It's a hell of a win. Still dominating the Bengals decades after the Super Bowl win. Take four extra drinks for all the times I mentioned on the broadcast. And as always, go Niners.